So have you ever been in a situation where you are not on the same page as someone else? Only to later realize that that's a problem? I was thinking about this and um, decided that last night was going to be a good time for me to ask Marcia whether there was anything that we were not on the same page about. And uh, she said, you mean today? And then began to hear about one thing after another after another of things that I kind of thought we were on the same page about, but we weren't. And then this morning, um, partway through the service, she leans over to me and says, Oh, one more thing. <laughs> and I'm not going to share that um, with you, and we're not going to completely do therapy for me this morning. But one thing we landed on last night where we're not exactly on the same page is what to do about Christmas music. Now, I, I don't know kind of how you all do it, but I'm, I'm going to give you a multiple choice uh, quiz here to, to help you get on the same page with your family, but also maybe you can throw in and help me out a little bit too, okay? So I'll tell you the choices and then we're going to take a vote. So in your view, is it okay to listen to Christmas music, A, all year round. B, a little before Thanksgiving is okay. C, after December 1st. Or D, on December 24th only. So, how many of you say it's okay to listen to Christmas music all year round? Okay. How many of you say it's okay to listen to Christmas music a little before Thanksgiving? That's okay. All right. How many, how many say after December 1st? That's, there we go. How many on December 24th only? Nobody else. Okay. I, I, I'm not on the same page on that one either. Uh, I should have known. You didn't help me. But, um, it really doesn't matter in some respect whether we're on the same page about Christmas music, whether we agree that this rule or that rule or this date or that date is the best. What really is going to matter is whether or not we're on the same page as Jesus. And I think it's really easy for us to go through the religious motions, to, to be in church Sunday after Sunday, to do what we know we're supposed to do, and to never really get 100% on the same page as Jesus. And I say that because last week we, we saw some, some people who were very enthusiastic about Jesus. In fact, uh, in, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 21, we saw what's commonly referred to as the triumphal entry, where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds were in front of him and behind him, and they were singing, and they were shouting, they're putting palm dances down, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Which, if you ask me, that's pretty close to the same page as Jesus, right? 
They sounded good. They praised the Lord. They prayed. They did all the things. They looked like they were the real deal. And they were. As long as Jesus fit in to their expectation. As long as Jesus acted like they wanted Him to act. They wanted Him to be the conquering King. To ride into Jerusalem and set them free. But He insisted on instead being a suffering and humble King. And when they realized they weren't exactly on the same page as Jesus, it took them less than a week to turn and join the others who shouted, Crucify Him. It looked like they were on the same page as Jesus, but they weren't. And I'm wondering, can you see that coming? Can you look at other people? Can you look at your own self and see whether or not you're on the same page as Jesus? And how could you tell ahead of time that such a great inaugural procession would end up in a crucifixion? You're saying, I don't know. Well, I want you to know that Jesus can tell. Jesus knew exactly how it was going to play out. Jesus saw all the signs that he and the crowd were not together on this. He saw that he was on a different page from the leaders of Israel as well as the crowd. And so what should you expect? What can you expect? if you are on the same page as Jesus. And if you're not on the same page as Jesus, what should you look for? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, I'll begin reading in verse 12, and that hopefully will help us see what Jesus saw. Because Jesus also saw the crowds shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, but He also saw some other things. Maybe that will tip us off to make sure we don't end up pretending to be one thing when we're actually another. Matthew chapter 21, I'll begin reading in verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, Is it written, My house shall be called a house of prayer? But you made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, babies, you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. 
and the fig tree withered at once. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled and said, how did that fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And so Jesus enters Jerusalem. And he, he goes into the temple, and the first thing that he does is that he has conflict with people who are buying and selling. And he makes it clear that Israel has rejected their Messiah. He makes it clear that he knows that they have rejected God. And it's clear, whether you can see it or not, when you are not on the same page as Jesus. You can't fool Him. You might fool some other people. In fact, you might blend in with some other people. But Jesus knows when you're not on the same page as Him. When you're not on the same page as Jesus, you end up relying on spiritual manipulation or intimidation. When you're not on the same page as Jesus, you are unimpressed with Him or with the supernatural. When you're not on the same page as Jesus, your life becomes unfruitful. So Jesus left no doubt by His words and His actions as He entered Jerusalem that He knew that Israel had rejected Him. And he knew that they had rejected him because they had rejected their God. So there are really three paragraphs here that each give a different angle into this same problem. The first thing you see in verses 12 and 13 is that when the religious system is not on the same page as Jesus, it becomes manipulative. When the religious system is not on the same page as Jesus, that has to result in coercion. Or I suppose you could just even do some self-evaluation and say, when you're not on the same page as Jesus, you have to rely on something else other than God bringing spiritual change. Notice how the story is told. There, it says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now there you have Jesus going through the temple, knocking over tables and chairs and animals and birds, going everywhere. Because what would happen is that it was a recent development that the religious leaders realized that in fact there was a problem that they could solve. People had to come in to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, celebrate the feast, and 
it was kind of inconvenient. There were some supply chain problems, you might say. Because for them to come maybe from uh, the north part of Israel and bring their sacrifices with them, that'd be a little bit of a logistical nightmare. How are you going to get your lamb up from Galilee down to Jerusalem? Put a little halter on them and walk all the way around? Or your doves? How are you going to get your doves or your pigeons with you? You've got, some, you've got a situation there. And they were going to solve it for you. They were going to solve it by supplying their own animals so that you could just come, buy an animal from them, and then sacrifice. And if you think about it, pretty clever plan. Because people needed those animals. In fact, people could, would come into Jerusalem, I think sometimes would bring an animal, they, priests would deem it unclean. And then they'd sell them one. I mean, they, they had a corner on the market. There was high demand and no competition. So they had, the religious leaders had the best of all worlds. These people needed these animals if they were going to be right with God. They were going to offer their sacrifices they had to get uh, squared away with God, and they needed animals. And so these people could, the, the religious leaders could sell animals, make a profit, while the people came to make their sacrifices. We have a name for that called religious abuse. When you have to go through this channel and pay in the channel so that you can be right with God or else your eternal condemnation is at stake. Yeah, that's a problem. And that's the way the religious system was running in this festival week when Jesus walked in. And so then Jesus sets the animals free and he knocks over the tables and chairs. And <clears throat> I'm just going to say, everyone looks at Jesus like this, oh, Jesus a man's man here. You know, when he says, blessed are the meek, or blessed are the peacemakers, not a man's man, but here he's a man's man. Be like Jesus. Well, I'm just going to say, don't. Don't just walk through, say, decide that you're going to walk through church knocking stuff over. That's a bull in a china shop. That's not a man's man. Jesus was representing God when he was doing this. He was extremely clear that these guys, these were not on the same page as God was. He was so clear that when he was doing this, he was reciting Scripture. He was, he was referencing the Old Testament that explained what the problem was as he was fixing the problem. In Isaiah chapter 56 talks about this house of prayer that Jesus referred to. It, it says... And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be His servants. 
Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. I'm just going to stop right there because those are the things that indicate you're on the same page as Jesus. When you want to serve Him, join yourself to Him, love His name, that's how you know you're on the same page as Jesus. And these are foreigners who are coming to do this. And so Isaiah continues, These will I bring to my holy mountain. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. He promises he will accept their offerings. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him beside those already gathered. And what you have here is Jesus citing Isaiah 56 to say that He is for the outcasts. He is for the people who are on the fringes on the outside. And it's His intent to bring them in. But it was the religious system, it was designed to keep them out. Unless, of course, they paid. They're not on the same page as Jesus at all. Jesus' house was supposed to be a house of prayer for all the peoples. And they had turned it into a den of robbers so that only those who pay could then be part of this house. I just want to say this is great news. This is great news for you and for me because we are those foreigners. Number one. But number two, it, it indicates too, you just have to get on the same page as Jesus. You don't have to be born in a certain place at a certain time. You don't have to have a certain ethnicity. God holds out His arms and says, come. And if you will join yourself to Him by faith, you too will be accepted by Him. That's what Jesus wants to communicate. And then He says, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. And as he says that, he's quoting from Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11, which says this, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. So, Jesus, so God wants this to be a house of prayer that includes all people, and instead they've, they've turned it into a den of robbers where you have to pay to play. And what Jesus is saying is that, you know what? I know. I know that we are not on the same page. You might have blended in yesterday when we were doing that parade. You might have all the right words to say, but we are not on the same page. Because I'm going to include the foreigners and the outcasts. And you want to keep them away. In fact, that was part of the reason that the nation of Israel was exiled from the land was this same spiritual abuse. And so Jesus calls him on it again. And by holding up the difference between the den of robbers and the house of prayer, he points us to the day 
when the king, this humble king, will reign and will invite everybody. Well, in the next paragraph, you see that it's not just the religious system that's rigged, but the religious leaders are not on the same page as Jesus either. Because they're unimpressed by His compassion and His uh, love. They're unimpressed by His supernatural power. And I would say too, if you are unimpressed by Jesus, you're not on the same page as Him either. Look at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple and He healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, the wonderful things He did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. And they said to Him, Did you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And so here there are two issues. Two issues in which Jesus finds that he's not on the same page with the religious leaders. The first is that he healed the blind and the lame. It isn't just the former, the, the foreigner and the outcast that, that God is including in his um, family. It's those who are broken, who are blind and lame. They're being included. And they came to Jesus in the temple. Now you're saying, so? They came to Jesus in the temple, and the problem was they weren't supposed to come to Jesus in the temple. And the religious leaders knew it. And Jesus here is breaking the rules. Because Leviticus chapter 21, verse 18 says, For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long. There, if you have something wrong with you, you're out. And they wanted to enforce that. They wanted to make sure that there was going to be nobody come to worship in the temple who made them uncomfortable or who looked different than them. They felt that they were the guardians of everything true and holy. And then they got fired up, not just about the, I think, it's, I think it's a great how it says, the wonderful things that he did. They hated the wonderful things. But not just that, they heard the children repeating the song from yesterday. You've probably seen that too. Kids hear a little jingle, probably sometimes kind of annoying. They hear a little jingle over on a commercial or something, and the next thing you know, they're off in the corner repeating the same song over and over and over. Um, they were doing that. They had been part of the parade. And so they're along for the parade, and they hear people sing, sing, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna to the Son of David. And so the next day, they're just walking through, singing to each other. And the religious leaders have nothing to do with it. Stop. Okay, put a box around it. That's not what we do here. That's not how we do it. Put your hands back in your pockets. And so how does Jesus respond to this? 
Okay, they don't like his miracles. They don't like his songs. What's he going to do? Surprise. He pulls out his Bible again. <laughs> and he, and he, um, he points them to Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So the, the first message, by, by, by coming to Psalm 8, the first message is, listen, God doesn't need this temple. His glory is above the heavens. You can come meet Him here, but He doesn't need this. And then the second verse says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And so Jesus continues quoting. He, he lets them know God's glory is above all the earth, but they're going to miss it. And it's going to be the babies and the children that let people know. But it isn't just that. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy. And what Jesus is doing, He's letting them know that the way that they are responding to the praises of these children places them as God's enemy or foe. In other words, this messianic secret is not a secret any longer. The secret is out. That Jesus is the Messiah and they can't deal with it. The children are singing about it and the religious leaders knew the Messiah wasn't going to come, and they certainly knew Jesus couldn't be him. And so they were indignant. They were not down with Jesus' version of what a Messiah looked like. And so whether it's a religious system that's rigged against outsiders, or whether it's religious leaders who want to keep a damper on anything supernatural or anything praiseworthy, they're not on the same page. But it's one thing to have a system. It's one thing to have a leader. It's another thing for, the whole, uh, for all of the people to not be on the same page as Jesus either. And that's what the next uh, paragraph is about. It's about Israel not being on the same page as Jesus. Because they were unfruitful. And when you're not on the same page as Jesus, you too will end up being unfruitful. And what will you have to show for your life. Look at verse 17. Leaving them, he went out to the city to Bethany and he lodged there. And in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it, but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Now I'm just going to stop there because... I hope that you've paid attention enough as we've read through Matthew to know that Jesus is not just about um, creating scorched earth. That there's more to what Jesus is doing than just cursing things he doesn't like. It's not merely that Jesus was hungry and there wasn't a fig on the tree and like, ah, mad at it. Or he went to McDonald's and somehow they were out of hamburgers and uh, egg McMuffins and for breakfast and so he cursed them. It wasn't that. 
What it was instead is that this fig tree, this fig tree stood in for Israel, for the people of Israel. A lot of times in the Old Testament, they were considered a, a vine, or a, there was a parable of a vine that described Israel, and there's a parable of a fig tree that describes Israel. And so Jesus, he's walking back to the city, and he sees this, this fig tree over here, and he walks over to it, and he's hungry, and he's hoping for a bite to eat, and it's got only leaves. And so he says, may no fruit ever come from you again, and the fig tree withered at once. And the disciples saw it, and they marveled, verse 20, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? They'd seen fig trees wither through the summer. They'd see, uh, probably even seen some salt water poured on a tree and have it shrivel up, but never just like that. And Jesus answered them, verse 21, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So the leaves were a sign that the tree should have had fruit, but it didn't. And just like the, the, the nation of Israel was a sign that should have borne fruit so that people would know that God is the true God in heaven, They didn't have any of that fruit. There was nothing about them that was supernatural at all. Oh, they had their religion. They had their rituals. They had their festivals. They had the things, the, motion, the machinery that they did, but they did not. They did not have supernatural life. There was nothing about the nation of Israel that looked alive, that would produce fruit. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus says you'll never bear fruit again. And he, again, points us back to the Old Testament. In Micah chapter 7, it starts out this way. Woe is me, for I've become as when the summer fruit has been gathered and when the grapes have been gleaned, and there's no cluster to eat and no first ripe fig that my soul desires. Essentially, he's quoting the Old Testament saying, there is no fig here, the my soul. There is no fruit in this nation of Israel. The godly have perished from the earth. This is the problem. The problem isn't that there's no fig on the tree. The problem is the godly have perished from the earth. And there's no one upright among all mankind. That's the problem. They all lie in wait for blood. Each hunts the other with a gnat. What Jesus is pointing out here by cursing the fig tree, he's acting out really this passage. It's, it's another acted out parable so that we might see what it's like to have no spiritual life. And here, the tragedy is the people of God are not on the same page as the Son of God. And so our business this morning is to figure out how do we get on the same page as Jesus so that we're not cursed? How do we get on the same page as Jesus so we're not considered to be His enemies? How do we get on the same page as Jesus so that we don't uh, 
become manipulative or coercive. Well, Jesus tells us right at the end of that verse, doesn't he? In verse 21 and 22. He says, truly I say to you, if you have faith and don't doubt. In verse 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you receive if you have faith. You see, what it means to be a person of God, what it means to be the people of God, is that we trust God. It's not about somehow bringing religious sacrifices. It's not somehow buying or paying for religious services. It's what these people were doing. Rather, it's about having faith and actually trusting in the Messiah. It's about believing that Jesus is who He said He is, and Jesus is the King, the humble, crucified King, rather than some pigment of our imagination. There are a lot of reasons you might come to church on a Sunday morning, but one of the reasons you should come week after week after week is to get a checkup from the neck up so that you recognize, you know what? I need to get on the same page as Jesus. So let's ask ourselves some questions. Have you made decisions that have made you not need the Lord? If you looked and made decisions, maybe they're financially, maybe they're financially profitable. Maybe they seem to solve problems, but you end up not really noticing that you're not on the same page as Jesus. Or have you become so unspiritual that the only way that you change, the only way that your children or your spouse or that annoying neighbor changes is because you coerce them or you manipulate them? How do you expect people to change? Do you pray in faith? Are you on the same page as Jesus? Or have you been, become so unimpressed with anything supernatural that you would rather shut it down than have it make you uncomfortable? Are there some things that are like too enthusiastic for you? Like, no, thank you, I don't want to sing, I'm going to keep my hands in my pocket. I mean, I, some of us probably remember being children, being a little too enthusiastic around church, having somebody, some religious leader, right, say, stop it. Have you become that person? Or have you, for some reason, become unfruitful in your Christian life? Could somebody tell by observing you Monday through Saturday that you're part of the kingdom of heaven? You have something to show for the spiritual life that you live? Is there fruit? Well, as you look at this and as you think about these questions, I want you to realize 
it's very possible to be a religious person, to blend in with other religious people and not be on the same page as Jesus. That happened when they all went up the hill in the parade and then started selling sacrifices or started shutting down the singing and sending away the people who were different. Being unfruitful. You do need to understand that Jesus went up that hill to Jerusalem not to shut down the people who sold animals. He went up there to become the sacrifice himself so that sins could be forgiven and they wouldn't, people wouldn't need to buy animals to sacrifice. He went up there to die on a cross so that sins could be covered once and for all, your sins and my sins. You need to be confident that Jesus is supernatural and He can impress you again. You can come to Him with your brokenness, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, and He'll welcome you in. You look around and say, what do I have to show for my life? What do I have to show for the last few months or the last couple years? What kind of spiritual fruit is in my life. If you can't see it, you need to know. Jesus didn't just die on a cross. He walked out of an empty grave in this same city, in this same week, and He now stands at the right hand of God. And He sent His Holy Spirit into your life to produce fruit. So that you might show that you are a kingdom citizen. You might show that you have a king named Jesus. And that your life is different because of it. And so my encouragement to you, if you don't do anything else this morning, is get on the same page as Jesus. Don't play around at it. Don't, don't be satisfied maybe being on the same page. But make it your life's mission to figure out Jesus and to join Him in what He's doing in this world. Because there is no greater life than the supernatural one that produces fruit, namely, the life lived for Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I do ask that You would help us to see more clearly the person of Jesus, to submit more completely to His authority and His kingship, and Father, would you help us as we struggle with the way we've always done things that we might be more and more uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that we might enjoy and love your name more and more. And I ask this because of Jesus. Amen.